Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. Now, from Happy Valley, here's your host, Brian Tripp. Hello and thanks for stopping by. Welcome to another episode of Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. I'm your host, Brian Tripp, and this week... I'm joined by wrestling play-by-play broadcaster Jeff Byers and the radio voice of Penn State Lady Lion basketball, Justin Antwell. And we'll discuss what it's like to broadcast during a global pandemic. We've grown so accustomed to rowdy sellout crowds at Rec Hall, Pagula Ice Arena, and the Bryce Jordan Center. This year, those venues virtually empty, with the exception of a few select family members in attendance for home games. So what is it like with the environment? What's the preparation like going into these broadcasts? And how does your mindset change when no one else is in that venue, yet you're still watching a high-level Big Ten competition going on, whether it's on the mat, the ice, or the court? And then for road games, we're broadcasting remotely this year. So if you're watching the game on BTN Plus or on TV, we're most likely watching that same feed you are at home. How has that impacted the way that we're covering games here, not only in 2020, but now into 2021. I hope you enjoyed this discussion. I know I did. Let's jump right into it here on Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. Well, I've been looking forward to doing this podcast for a long time. I'm the voice of Penn State men's hockey and Penn State baseball and joined by the longtime excellent play-by-play voice of Penn State wrestling, Ironhead Jeff Byers. And A newer member to the Penn State family, the voice of Lady Lion basketball, Justin Antwell. And we want to discuss what it's like to broadcast during a pandemic. I know there's probably Penn State fans that are going to listen to this and some people across the industry. But guys, first, I just want to start and say the most important thing to me is that we are fortunate in a pandemic and with everything that's affected so many people across not just the country, but the world to have an opportunity to still work and to still watch live sports in person occasionally How would you describe broadcasting in 2020, 2021? The thing that sticks out to me, I guess the word is surreal because we're in these venues and we're like the only guys there for the most part. So how would you describe broadcasting in a global pandemic, whether it's home away, just the overall feelings on it? Jeff, I'll start with you. I think surreal is a a very good word. It it just is. Uh, so different and you know truthfully it, it's not uh, I, I guess as problematic as I was envisioning uh, but it, I do feel uh, for the fans not having the opportunity and for the athletes uh, not being able to draw off of that energy uh, I will say at least on the, the wrestling front and, and from what, what I've seen with uh, hockey and, and both basketball programs as well I, I'm impressed with the way the athletes seem to be able to create their own energy and you know, I, I get these are uh, opportunities that uh, don't come along that often. And, you know, you have the, the four or now, in some of these cases, five years to enjoy the collegiate experience and you want to get the most out of it. Um, and I guess, you know, it, it speaks to the adaptability of, uh, of human beings in general and young people in particular, uh, that they, they seem to be managing it. Uh, very well, and you know, I, I am looking forward to getting back to just being able to do uh, just about everything with some normalcy, and that includes being able to interact with the fans uh, at the events and, and really be able to just uh, do everything the way we used to. That being said, I'm 
I'm also amazed at how kind of quickly it's like, well, this is this is the way we're doing it this year. So uh, you just uh, again adapt and and move on. But it, it does have a very surreal feel to me, both with the away events uh, not being there, and then with the uh, the home match that I was able to do, uh, just especially with the Cal Sanderson led team to see you know a smattering of applause and a handful of people in the arena is just uh, just something that, you know, a year ago you couldn't have ever envisioned. Yeah, Brian, I think, thanks for having me on the podcast, I think what resonates with me is the sacrifices and the creativity that's gone on for these last 11-plus months. Sacrifices, one, starts with the coaches and student-athletes. I mean, this isn't a regular college year. Uh, all three of us have gone to college. We know how fun it is um, off the court, on the court the bond with your teammates, going out to restaurants, mingling in the classroom, walking around. It's just not the same. People wearing masks, you can't see them smile. So that's different with all the protocols, getting tested daily. Um, it's a real sacrifice to be a Division One student athlete and everybody's listening, everybody's doing it forthright and with respect. And I, I appreciate that. And a hat tip to all the athletic trainers and the broadcast coordinators too. You know, we talk about creativity um, to get everything set up, to get precise and accurate camera angles, to make sure they're not grainy and fuzzy, to make sure the links work, lower thirds, um, proper links set up via email and constant communication with other teams. It's been really impressive. And in terms of creativity, also with the team, you know, normally you have a, a, a loud, uh, palpable buzz inside the Bryce Jordan Center, but the Lady Lions have come up with unique things like they had the player's family introduce them instead of just having a loud cheer, like so it surprised them, you know, the player's parents would say their name, you know, number 25, Kelly Jaycott, and it was her parents that was on the video. So it's cute little things like that that I think, um, you know, have, have brought us all together. The cardboard cutouts have, have been uh, have been really special. But to me, it, it, it's humbling also because it kind of brings you back to why we all got in this industry from a broadcasting perspective. We all started by sitting in a chair in our living room calling a game off a monitor uh, on our TV. And that's what we're doing now as real adults and humans. It, so we're kind of back to where we started in, in kind of a, a weird, odd way. But uh, it, it's a little humbling. And like you said, just to be thankful to, to do what we love, it, it's pretty special. Yeah, that's a great perspective from both of you on it. And I guess where I want to go next is because you both re referenced it and I talked about it right at the top. When you're in the building, yeah, there's maybe a couple of parents there or some family members and some venues like I know basketball, for example, is really heavy with the crowd noise. Hockey, not so much. Wrestling the other night, Rec Hall was dead quiet. So when you're on the air, do you notice the fans not at the venue? For me, I'd say before the game, when you walk into the arena or rec hall, whatever it may be, that's the time when I notice that the fans aren't there the most. Just that energy and the excitement leading up to the game. But then once the game, the match, whatever it is, when the game starts for me, I'm so locked into broadcasting that I don't notice it as much as I thought I would. So, yeah, there are moments where I miss feeding off the crowd, say frantic play or the refs maybe miss a call and the crowd starts groaning and, and you can work that into your broadcast and the emotions of the fans you don't feel, uh, especially in a big overtime winner or something like that, a big goal late to tie the game. But I would say 90 to 95% of the time when play is occurring, I'm locked into the point where even though you're sitting in an empty arena, 
you almost forget about it a little bit. So just wondering what, what your perspective is on that. For me, it was a, it was a little different in that uh, I, I agree with you with the energy beforehand. And, you know, there's just a, a few. There's a, an usher, Connie McIntyre, who always comes over and gives me a pack on the cheek before the uh, start of the whole matches. So I missed some of the interactions with some of the, the fans and, uh, you know, getting to, to just uh, talk with them and, and get their feel for things. And, uh, you know, there, there's a handful there that I just customarily have a chance to, to talk to. And even with the, um, you know, with wrestling, I was up on the track here where I'm usually down at the scorer's table. So there were a few things that uh, that normally I would be made <laughs> well aware of ahead of time uh, that I just uh, <laughs> was not uh, as tuned in as I, I normally would be on, on some of the things that were happening leading up uh, to the uh, actual start of the meet. And then, uh, yeah, the roar after a big win, I mean, you know, Greg Kirkley getting the, the fall in his dual meet debut normally would have, you know, that place uh, thundering. And it was just, you know, a very quiet, almost uh, golf applause from a handful of folks that were in the building uh, for, you know, what was a pretty significant uh, moment for the, uh, the young man and for the program. So that part, I think, is, um, is noticeably different. But I'm with you. And, and actually, I, I've been surprised uh, myself with the, the away games and, and just even watching on, on the video. Once you start the, the calls, I, I really, mm-hmm. I, I guess I'm not missing as much as I thought I would, you know, the actual during the event uh, impact of, of the fans and, and hearing that noise. Because, again, you, you are locked in and just trying to follow uh, what's happening and, and call that accurately. So that part. Uh, to me, has been a little surprising, and uh, and I guess in a good way. I miss the Bryce Jordan Center chicken tenders, Brian. Um, <laughs> there's, there's, uh, <laughs> they're really, really good, and we don't have access to them. Although that's a huge, huge uh, whammy for me. But yeah, Jason, more... let, let me say just just for a moment here that you, I do not miss the Rec Hall hot dog. No disrespect <laughs> to anybody involved, but that's one of the differences between calling an event at Rec Hall versus the Jordan Center. <laughs> well, at hockey at Pagula, the media room, they've had the Annie Ann's pretzels the last couple of years with the you uh. know, the, the two buckets, one just the buttery pretzel, but then the cinnamon sugar ones as well, <laughs> along with Subway subs and cookies. And obviously we don't have that this year. And even at the end of last year, when it started to become, I guess, more obvious that this virus was going to impact our country, I'd say the last two home series, I was a little bit more hesitant to stick my hand in that bucket uh, that all the students had been sticking their hand in as well when I was getting ready for the games. Uh, yes, like I mentioned in my first time, the sacrifices we make here, Brian. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, other than the no chicken tenders and curly fries at the Bryce Jordan Center, I'm with you. I think you noticed you noticed the no fans in the beginning because the the broadcast setup at the Jordan Center it's kind of it's upstairs, but it's kind of embedded in the crowd, so to speak. So you can actually like high five fans in a normal world and mingle with them over the railing. Before games, Lady Lion Gator Club fans are always there. They always arrive early. I really miss that. I miss going down the court and talking to the assistant coaches or just observing the teams warm up. Um, that's always fun. Obviously, that, that can't happen now as we're kind of stuck in our broadcast booth. But I'm with you. Once once we're 15 minutes out and our free game starts, I'm locked 
in. I mean, when you have a, a program like that, broadcast, and there's so many gaudy numbers in, in TV timeouts, you're just you're trying to absorb all the information you can to see what stats to talk about. We've got live reads to do for our sponsors, Learfield IMG College. You're just so busy and locked in. It's, it's nothing against the other atmosphere, but I'm with you're trying to be a perfectionist and just focus on the things that you can control, which is the stats, the live reads, making sure you're complete that. Um, getting your color company and involved. I work with a great uh, person like Joe Putnam. Yeah, I will say this too. Our perspective from Pagula, we are at the essentially the top row of the lower deck, and it's not a like you're describing, Justin. There isn't really a broadcast booth. We're just almost on. Sure, there's a little mm-hmm. media row, but we really do. I think that's the coolest thing about where we broadcast from Pagula is you really get wrapped up in the emotion of the game. And as a broadcaster, sometimes you have to make a cognitive effort to separate yourself from the emotion of the fans of the game so you can still stay locked in on what you're supposed to do. But that's really cool that you have that same that same thing at the BJC. But you both talked about something, and this is probably what I've noticed to be the, the biggest difference for me, whether it's going to practices and getting to meet some of the players, interacting with the coaches, and... You know, being that fly on the wall, you absorb some information, some things you can share with your audience, some things you can't share with the audience. The access is the biggest thing to me that's changed this year. The separation that you have from being really with the program, whether it's traveling on a day-to-day basis, uh, around the team at practice, that access is something that that I miss, just those side conversations. And, And a lot of it, most of the time, isn't even about the game or the sport in general. It's just getting to know the people and maybe you get a story or a nugget here or there, or what Jeff was talking about. It just helps in advance. It might not be something that you're going to share, but to know who's going to weigh in where and what weight they're going to wrestle at is, is someone going to make their debut? Who's out of the lineup injured? Just so you can prepare in advance and have that access. And I've noticed a lot more texting, a lot more phone calls. Then at that point, you're requiring a coach, a player to take up some of their time uh, to provide you with the ability to share that information as opposed to just being around it. So I think the access that you both referenced already might be the biggest change for me here in this pandemic era. I completely agree. That, that, is, that is the, the biggest hole in my body is, is, is the lack of, of access. And, and I totally understand why mm-hmm. um, with the whole social distancing thing. The best part about working for a team, you're around the team at shoot-around, at practice, pre-game meals. You, you have the ability to read the room, to, to absorb information, to laugh with the team. Their assistant coaches, we're almost in March right now. I haven't even met yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lady Lions, they have 16 players in their team. 12 are new. The only four <laughs> returning players from last year are Kelly Jaycott, who was rehabbing last year, and then the sophomores that are really veterans in the team, in air quotes, Anna Camden, Shea Higgins, and McKenna Marisa. So there are 12 women on the team that I've never met, but I've been talking about them at nauseam at length throughout the last you know four or five months so they probably just see me oh that's the voice of the highlight guy on twitter they have no idea what i look like what my name is and it's it, it's wild to think and you're right the best part about working for the team is the relationships you form and the uh, especially with the assistant coaches carolyn here has such a great staff they're, they're all young they're energetic they love to have fun they love to, to do things um i remember there was a conversation last year at uh, at a breakfast I was with some of the players, some of the support staff, and just talking about like TV shows, and it made me feel really old. We were talking about like um, old school Nickelodeon, so we're talking about like Guts, Legends of the Heavenly Temple, Family Double there, and to see the reaction of the players, you would have thought I was talking about a foreign language, 
So when you're trying to explain a physical challenge to Anna Camden, um, it really puts things in perspective. And, and like, you know, they're now watching like Netflix shows, you know, 10 years later, they don't, they don't know what old school Nickelodeon is maybe like we do, but it's just, it's those kind of fun conversations that you have at the breakfast table um, with the athletes. Like you said, it doesn't even have to pay attention to basketball. Uh, that's what I really miss out on. Um, you know, Zoom and technology, they're, they're great. And we're, we're, we're privileged and fortunate to have it. But I'm, a, I'm an in-person guy all the way. You know, I've never been the guy that's been the smartest guy in terms of book smarts. I always am more of a people person. And, and you really just miss out on the interpersonal communication this year here, Jeff. Yeah, there's no question. And I think, you know, for, for all of us, I, I think, again, while the action's going on, obviously you're, you're wanting to accurately uh, and uh, as descriptively as you can uh, call what is happening in front of you. But for me, this year, it's been so much more about just calling the action mm-hmm. because the the first time I even saw Robbie Howard in person was in his uh, dual meet debut uh, at Michigan. Uh, I mean, that was the first time I've seen videos of him in high school, but I mean, that's the first time I, I had seen him uh competing collegiately uh whereas normally again if you're in the room uh which i I normally would be at least a couple of times a week i at least go over and hey robbie (laughs) how are you doing i did the radio broadcast i just never had that chance with any of the true freshmen bo bartlett uh much the same thing i at least saw bartlett and kirkweed in the nittany Lion wrestling club live event so i had seen them compete and had uh you know better idea about what it is that they, they bring to the table but you know, a lot of these guys make some changes to their game, uh, while hopefully all of them do from high school to college. And, uh, so, you know, having no idea what Robbie's been working on in the room, it was just kind of, uh, let's, let's see what happens here. Uh, and again, with, uh, with Robbie, the first time I actually saw him in person compete was in that Maryland meet, which is the final, uh, duel of the season for Penn State. And that's just, uh, a weird experience to, to be calling action with uh, somebody that you've never had the chance to meet or, or even watch in person. Yeah, there's no question. There's just little nuggets that, that you pick up. And again, some of them you'll use and some of them you just uh, tuck away as uh, little reminders about, uh, hey, let's, <laughs> let's remember what this guy's going through or remember where uh, he's coming from or, or what he's dealing with. Little things that you pick up from conversations with the, the wrestlers and the coaches and you know the for me at the practice room a, a lot of the conversations where I glean uh, the most information uh, it'll be with the assistant coaches or with Cal uh, before or after practice but then during practice you know you just start talking with the managers or you know Dan Monthly the trainer for wrestling rooms with me so uh, we're good friends, but, you know, you just get, again, little nuggets. A lot of it is, is stuff that you're not going to use on air, but uh, you tuck away as, as things to know and, and remember moving forward. And, again, there may be things that you, you can throw in there. Well, there are things that you do throw in then, uh, you know, when it's appropriate and, uh, you know, as, as the season goes along again, you just get to see those personalities. Uh, develop with the in the team as well and even before the meets that's the thing I'm I'm missing is uh, just again little things that you'll pick up or uh, remember about uh, hey this, this kid went out of his way to go over and sign an autograph for a young kid over there or you know the father came over and talked about you know how great it's 
it is to have his son at Penn State. I mean, all of those interactions and missing out of them is just uh, that's the void I think that is there this year. Yeah, and let me just say this: it, it's such it's such a privilege just to travel across the Big Ten. These arenas are state of the art. Like just to be able to travel for a Division One university in the best conference in the United States of America is just so cool to me. Um, to see all the different broadcast locations, to mingle with visiting with the with the opposing team's radio uh, units. You know, you, you missed out on that, talking to other SIDs, uh, reading the game notes in person instead of just reading them online. Um, you, you missed that flair, too. Obviously, you know, we're talking about the, the people within our own program, but even the, the other people mm-hmm. uh, from other programs across the Big Ten, you missed out on that. I mean, I spent five years at mid-major basketball, five years at independent baseball, so coming in 2019, when I got hired by Penn State, it was the best thing that ever happened to me to, to be able to travel with, with Penn State. That is just so cool. This is one of the most illustrious universities ever. And uh, you just you just miss out on that this year. Do you ever notice in the arena that you have to be a little bit more quiet or, or does that not factor? And I know for me, I try to be more energetic this year consciously, just knowing that the fans aren't there and I don't want my energy to drop because the the energy is not in the building. So it hasn't been me trying to be more quiet because uh, the fear that someone down on the ice or the coaches or whatever's going on, they may hear you. I think hockey naturally lends itself against that too because you have so many natural sounds from the game with, with the skates on the ice and the puck hitting against the boards and players yelling. But I know, for instance, the other night at Rec Hall, it was dead. You could hear a pin drop, literally. Uh, and I was sitting down on the mat, and I, I don't think I heard Jeff once, and I know he's uh, an energetic guy during a wrestling broadcast. Yeah, I will say, Brian, I, I had not thought about it until uh, really as we were going on the air. And it was the first time I, I really, it even crossed my mind, which it probably should have, probably speaks to my own stupidity. But I was glad I was not that side mm-hmm. <laughs> just because of that. Because, uh, yeah, I, I do get animated. And, uh, you know, I think it would have been, uh, I, I would have been self-conscious down there with it being as quiet as it was uh, and not wanting to be a distraction for the, for the athletes or uh, coaches or officials or anybody. So I was actually grateful uh, at that moment. I, I'm like, man, it, it's actually a good thing I'm up here. Cause I, and I'm with you, Brian. I, I try to make sure I'm bringing the, the energy that I, I normally bring. And it, it's a very uh, – conscientious effort uh, on my part to make sure that it's happening uh, because I, I do think you, you owe that to the you know folks that are listening and following the program that uh, you know you're, you're putting the same energy that these kids and uh, the, the coaches are putting into it but uh, like I said I, I hadn't really thought about it and you know they had told me I was going to be up on the track uh, before the season even began and of course at that point I thought we were going to have three or four uh, home duels uh, to do that and uh, I had done that earlier in, in my career when I first started doing the broadcast in, in 88 that's where we were I I'm, don't remember the exact year but it would have been somewhere around 96 97 that we moved down uh, on the floor and generally that's a much better uh, perspective again you can just uh, you can hear the officials when they come over to the scorers table and it's just uh, a little easier to get information that you're you might be questioning between breaks and everything uh, but I was I was happy to be up on the track in a, in a way so I could do my uh, normal screaming into the mic when uh, Kirk Lee got his set. Justin, you're up off the floor at the BJC, so that's probably something that doesn't come into effect for you. 
Yeah, it's the same. It's the same routine. Once it's go time, you just kind of lock in and, and, and talk at your normal pacing cadence. Um, if the players can hear me from all the way up there, then uh, they should be listening to their coaches more. I, I would hope, but um, uh, no, it's it, it's the same. I'm just just lucky to be calling games, like you said, Brian. Let's get into the away setup, and I'll start for away games this year. And I was unsure what to expect at first, and I'll say it only took me about one period to get used to it. And I think there are a lot of differences between sports probably in calling a game off of a monitor, but hockey is so fast that the camera person has to be good that you're relying on. We set up in the Pagula Ice Arena study room. So the team lounge, which wasn't being used this year because of social distancing, they didn't want the players in there. And we were able to put our mixer and our equipment right on a table. And we had a, a big flat screen in front of us. So you hook a computer up to the flat screen TV and on that flat screen is whatever the feed is from the home team that they're providing. So for the first couple of games, they were aired on Big Ten Network. So we were able to get all of the camera angles that the broadcasters who were doing the games remotely at Big Ten Network were using. We were able to get those same angles and also have a live feed of the audio from the arena. And later on in the season, we had broadcasted games that weren't on Big Ten Network. So our camera angles were a little bit more limited and there were a couple of games where maybe the camera wasn't as efficient following the action. And yeah, it's frustrating and creates a little bit of difficulty for your broadcast. But there were there were two games at Ohio State, and the audio did not accompany the pictures. And having that natural audio, number one, it just makes the product sound a lot better for the fans and sound a lot more normal. But the thing I noticed in hockey, having the audio from the arena was almost as important as having a quality picture because when the puck misses the net and you're trying to follow it on a monitor, which believe me was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. Uh, there are a lot of things you miss and we can get into that, but having that audio to hear it, did it hit the glass? Did it hit the boards? Did it hit the post? Do you hear the players yelling because it went in the net? That was a big advantage to have for the broadcast as well, but that's the setup for me. And I'll say it only took about a period to get accustomed to doing it off of a monitor. There are things you miss. There are things you can't say. But but overall, I felt like it was a good experience. And look, in a pandemic, it provided an experience to broadcast safely and still provide our fans with the, the radio coverage that they've grown accustomed to. Yeah, and this is a big asset to all the broadcast coordinators. It, technology really is amazing. I mean, the feeds and the nets sound, the different angles that they can get you. They can zoom in on the on the score bug. They can get you an aerial shot. They can get you tight shots. It's it's kind of like the NFL Red Zone Channel. It's like a, they got like a quad box for you. You get to like kind of pick. Um, at least for our feed here at the at the basement of the Jordan Center, you get to kind of pick which one uh, you want to choose. I think the hardest part that Joe and I have kind of run into is getting the the nat sound synced up with the video. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's a little delayed. Um, in that regard. And also, sometimes the video is so delayed that the stat broadcast is actually ahead. So if you're following the stats, the stats will all, already register a field goal, but we haven't seen the field goal happen yet. So your mind's got to be like compartmentalized. You can't get ahead. Like the score is almost ahead of the video, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. um, but look, it, it's first world problems. It's, you you got to remember the two things in life you can control, your attitude and your effort. So, like you said, you, 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 you deal with what you've got. There was a game, I think we had, like, the wheel of death, like the, the video pause for a moment. So, you just kind of pretend like they're passing around the perimeter, and then the, the video just skips to a live a live portion <laughs> of the game, and you're just like, and uh, the shot was good. 
you know, but, but you, you move on, you know, it, it, it's one possession of like 150 in a basketball game. It's, it's not the end of the world. It, it's stories that we'll be able to tell our, our kids about, you know, 20 years later. And, and, um, you know, what we're thankful for, like I talked about at the top of the top of the podcast, the reason why we all, all got into announcing is because in our living room calling games off TV. We're back doing that as professionals now. It, is it the way we all drew it up? Of course not. But it's funny and it brings you back to, to why we all got in this. You know, what, what's also interesting for, for post-game interviews, maybe the fans would like to know this. Normally, obviously, um, the coach kind of comes up and sits adjacent to me and grabs the headset and we talk shop. But now it's, it's like a sports talk radio phone call. They call the studio line in Missouri and then the board op pops them up and it's like, Ginny from Nebraska, you're on the Penn State Sports Network. And then, you know, we're talking with Ginny Boggett. It's like literally like a sports talk radio phone call. So it brings me back to, like, listening to Mike and the Mad Dog days. So that's kind of um, humbling and funny. But, yeah, it, it is what it is. The coaches are cooperative. They understand, you know, what what the situation we're dealt with. The, the board ops have been great. The, the technicians. Obviously, you know, there was a, some feeds are grainier than others. Some feeds don't have a lower third. Um, it is what it is. It makes you think a little bit more, um, but it makes you really, really appreciate for what we have here, Jeff. Jeff, let me just hop in there really quick, especially the analysts. And Jeff, I know with wrestling, you work alone, but Joe Putnam and Eric Olson, who I work with, I think they're more impacted than probably we are, Justin, because we can still get the nuts and bolts, but they're the guys who may need to see the full field or the full court or the full rink, because that's where they really can can get that extra insight to add to the broadcast. So I think for the analysts, and I know talking to Eric, it's more challenging for them than maybe it even is the play-by-play person. Um, not that we're not missing the ability to see if a guy injured goes up the tunnel, if there's a scuffle at the other end of the ice, if someone has to go over to the bench for an equipment issue. Those are the things you miss. Uh, but in terms of nuts and bolts of the play-by-play, you're still able to deliver that. Yeah, no, I think that's... Uh, the- all great points and wrestling is a little different in a couple of uh respects one is really the you know one angle as long as as i'm able to see both wrestlers uh we're we're good and fortunately that was always my biggest concern is man what happens if the speed uh dies Mm -hmm. on us because i i don't i really i don't know exactly what i i would have done uh but fortunately that that never happened um, Knock on wood. And so, yeah, for, for most of the, yeah, so far, yeah, I should, I should do that. Uh, but I will say, and the other thing with wrestling is, so it's, it's not consistent uh, in terms of, of what is available. And um, not knocking anybody here, it's just a, a couple of the uh, away feeds that uh, I wasn't sure we'd even be able to get a feed uh, with the arenas and, and, you know, the where wrestling ranks on the, uh, scale of the uh, university's priorities, and we ended up getting great fees. And then there was, you know, one in particular where it was like pulling teeth just to get uh, anything. And and we obviously yeah. did get the, something from from everybody. But yeah, uh, we ended up foregoing the the sound. Uh, and I don't know in, in wrestling if it's that, you know, I, I, I hadn't really thought about that, Brian. I I can't imagine trying to call a hockey game without the, the sound. Uh, we tried syncing it up. Um, after the uh, the first two, we knew were, were going to be a uh, just very difficult, and so we just kind of decided to forego it. And I don't think we ended up with natural sound. Well, I mean, the whole meet we, we obviously did, but I don't think we ended up uh, using it 
at all because it was just uh, it was too challenging to get everything uh, in order. And really, the only meet where I had uh, multiple angles, and I guess I, it's one of those things where you don't know what you're missing until you see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the last uh, dual meet, the last away meet with Ohio State, was really the uh, only one where I had, you know, the four angles uh, available. And I will say it was wonderful because I, I forgot how much I do uh, like during the broadcast to look over at the uh, corner and see the coaches. And a lot of the one camera was focused on the Penn State side and uh, the coaching corner, but then they were also showing the wrestlers warming up and. You know, that's stuff I'm normally talking about, especially, if, you know, like at 149, if Bo Bartlett's making his debut, normally I'm looking over uh, and, hey, you can see Bo Bartlett warming up here, so get get ready. This is going to be the the call here. And for uh, most of the season, I wasn't able to see any of that. And it, it, this was nice to have that opportunity uh, in that Ohio State goal to, to get a little more of the uh, feel and flavor for what was going on uh, other than just with the two competitors on, on the mat. So it was, you know, a, a little different in a, a few ways, I, I think, for wrestling than, than maybe for the other sports this year. There is a silver lining, uh, guys. You know, I think we I set a Guinness Book of World Records getting home from Lincoln, Nebraska to State College uh, in five minutes. So, uh, you know, the, 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 the travel after games is, uh, is nice. If we, if we want to find, you know, one real great positive, it's um, – we love being with the team, and you know what's on that post-game meals and the play rides and everything, but it is nice to be back in your uh, living room within five minutes after, uh, after a game. Yeah, and I think, and I'll wrap it up on this, I think for some of those aspects when you're doing a game remotely, I think we recognize it. We know that maybe we're able to provide 66% or 75% of what we normally do, But and I don't want to speak for you guys, but when I listen to both of you, I feel like, and I hope that this doesn't come across as braggadocious, but I'm not sure the casual fan knows that we are omitting things that we typically would. I'm a perfectionist. So I know, oh man, I wasn't able to identify who the four guys out were for the penalty kill that night because I just didn't have an angle of it. Or what are the line tweaks that Penn State is making throughout the game? Did they change something up with their defensive pairing? What is their shift length like? Things that you can tell when you're in the arena that maybe you aren't typically able to do off of a video feed. So I feel like I'm missing something, but I would probably say, and I can't speak to this because I'm a broadcast nerd. When I listen to a game, I listen to what the broadcasters are doing. I would guess the casual fan probably doesn't really know when we are or aren't there and what we may be omitting. But I know like like myself, you guys are perfectionists as well. You probably realize, oh crap, I, I, I couldn't get to that tonight. I just had no idea. But you don't, you don't ever say that to the audience and you, it doesn't come across to the audience. So they may not even know it because it's just not something you bring up. Right. Sometimes it's hard to tell if it's, a, if it's an offensive foul, a three-second violation, a double dribble, mm-hmm. or a, just a, a defensive foul just because the camera doesn't stay on the shot long enough. So, you know, if you have to correct yourself, you know, so be it. Yeah, I'm going to make mistakes anyways in a normal world, so I'm going to make mistakes definitely in a global pandemic. So I think, yeah, as long as you're getting the fundamentals right, Brian, which is what's staying the score a lot, game resets, why are we here, why is this game important, um, you know, you can control you can control and, and, and keep on doing the best job you can with what's in front of you. I, I'm with you. I don't think it's, it's that noticeable that, you're, that, that we're in conference rooms. Yeah, I've actually been surprised with the number of folks who have asked me. <laughs> I actually had somebody after the uh, 
one match. I, I thought I read somewhere where you were traveling this year. It's a long shot. I said, but you were there for the Ohio State <laughs> match, right? I'm like, well, no. <laughs> I was being called in a conference room. So, um, yeah, again, I think if you're, you know, the, the main reason that folks are tuning in, right, is, is that they want to hear what is happening, the, mm-hmm. the action. I mean, the, the side stories are all uh, important and fun and, uh, you know, nuggets that I think folks appreciate. But at the end of the day, you want to know, did, uh, hey, did Penn State's uh, wrestler just score there, or did they give up the takedown, yeah. and what was the, the final score? And obviously you're still able to provide uh, all of all of those things, which, uh, again, I think for uh, the overwhelming majority of sports fans, that's, that's really what they want to know. Well, gentlemen, I hope this was as fun for you as it was for me. I hope we can do this in person next time we all chat together. And thanks so much for carving out uh, quite a bit of your time here today. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Always been a big fan of the podcast, Brian, so it's uh, definitely humbling to be on. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Brian. Thanks again to Jeff and Justin for their time. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you like what you heard here today, make sure you review our podcast, subscribe, share the podcast with family, friends, colleagues, whoever it may be. We hope you really enjoyed this one, and we'll talk to you next time on Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics.